Hello, and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for those curious about the non-finance aspects or the human side of working in accounting and finance. I'm Susan Nicriazon, and while I believe there is beauty in balancing a set of financial statements, the intricacies that underpin the workings are wondrous. The real beauty for me is in working with people. The intricacies that underpin our workings are wondrous too. And not one particular combination of input or formula will ever generate the same result. Join me and my guests as we place a lens on some of these wondrous intricacies that make us unique. And as we share insights, knowledge and strategies to inspire your life beyond the numbers. I'm joined today by no stranger to podcasting um, and hopefully no stranger to some of our audience. Andrew Codd, it's an absolute delight to have you on today. The pleasure is mine, Susan. Thank you for having us. So, Andrew, I think today we'll talk about mentoring because I think this is something that's quite close to your heart and it comes across in what you do. So, Maybe to kick us off, you would just give us a sense of when you became aware first of the power of mentoring. Yeah, it's, it's a very vivid memory, Susan. And, and really, you know, I do go through this on the earlier episodes of Strength in the Numbers, the podcast that was founded and produced now. But when it happened, I was in my mid-20s. Uh, I was in a job I didn't particularly like very much. I probably didn't really think I needed to seek people's help. Um, so I, so what I did is I just went on the internet as you do, uh, didn't have much of a network, I suppose. And I just fired off a load of requests to, to different jobs, you know, and there was no real, no real trend or commonality. I mean, it was just any other job than the one I was doing. And uh, I had someone reach out to me, uh, actually a fellow Irish person. Uh, his name was Vincent and he was a recruiter and he got in contact and he said, I, I've just seen you apply to a load of my jobs. And he says, look, I don't have any jobs that I think will fit you, but I think I know what you're going through. You know, can we meet? Because um, I have something to share with you. And I said, I was a bit taken aback because this guy who jobs me. So what, what am I going to do? Like, you know, talk with him. But he seemed to know an awful lot more about this situation than I did. So I said, sure, what have I got to lose? So I was living um, just outside London at the time. So we met in the Holiday Inn at the M40 Junction 4 there, just near High Wycombe. And he came in and he got us coffee each. And he said, uh, look, I know what you're going through. And I said, okay, I'll probably sit here and listen because again, he he seems to know what he's talking about. So he pulls out one of the napkins with the coffee and he sketched out for me a diagram that, you know, he called it a career bone diagram. And he said, look, if you do these things and blah, 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 then you will have a really rewarding, fulfilling career. And again, I'm sort of a little skeptical, but essentially said, look, you write it down, you, you put it in this format um, and, and it will happen for you. So I said, okay, fine. So I went away. I took on this advice and I put down things like in three years time, I once have had my MBA, I was sort of working with investment banks, private equity. I was getting paid over 100,000 sterling a year, which was well, well more than what I was making at the time. And um, lo and behold, just, just less than three years after that, I was doing all those things. Um, so, you know, like it sort of then sparked in me 
like that was a, just an amazing gift someone gave to me and, and I, I never really spoke to Vincent again it was that one encounter so my mission then after that really was to share that with others and and help them with any advice I could that that would help them be successful and, and get you know give something back because I've got so much and I've just repeated that process every three years since and uh, that's that's I suppose how I got into mentoring and the power of it and then just you know, looking back and reflecting on it, Susan, like, how can I see it sooner? You know, how can I see the benefit of just getting good advice from other people who've been there, done it previously? And, um, and yeah, like, as I said, it, it's allowed me to help other people. And I know those people have helped others. And that's, that's a really good feeling. Yeah, that's interesting. It's the, why didn't you see it sooner? I mean, in a way, our teachers a lot of them were like mentors or our parents and for me a grandmother and an uncle so perhaps it's also the when you leave school and and formal education you want to do it on your own it, it could be I, and again i suppose it comes to mindset so look my parents did the best they could do with me i, I wouldn't have been the easiest <laughs> child but i i was very achievement driven you know um, i was always about hit the highest results if i did anything i did it really well and and I suppose there was that such inward focus. And then I was sort of thinking about it. It's like I remember because I spent my teenage years in London, I did A levels. And actually, even looking back to those early early opportunities, when I did really well and enjoyed it, actually was with other people. So, like for instance, we did the physics papers, and and you know one way of doing you know doing well in a physics exam, there was a multiple choice section, forty questions, you get an hour and fifteen minutes or something. It was. Um, is is to go through the past papers because they only have a limited question bank. So we figured if we got 10 years worth of past papers, the four of us, and deconstructed them together, we'd cover the question bank. And lo and behold, we, we did. And we did it together and we just sort of shared the answers we were coming up with, whatever. So anyway, come exam day, there was uh, 30, 30, 40 questions, often 37 of them I'd actually seen before. And three of them were variants of what I'd, we, we'd covered as a, as a group of four of us. So the four of us walk out of the exam on the 15 minute mark because we'd seen all the questions before, pretty much. And all of us got 100% to that exam. Wow. Uh, no cheating, nothing going on. But that's the power of working with other people to, to realize ambitions. How much easier is it? And it's just a bit I sort of disappointed in myself. I just never really grasped that lesson, even though I'd encountered it uh, much earlier on. And that is as well strength in the numbers. Yeah, I know, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. It really is. That's it come to life. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Exactly. So it's strength in the numbers. And I love I love numbers. I love the fact that, you know, a lot of a lot of what we do, we, we evaluate performance based on the numbers and we make better decisions if we can drive better numbers. There's also strength in the various professions out there. So like finance, accounting, economics, that are very numbers driven. And even data science now, which is emerging as well, very numbers driven. And again, as we grow as communities and share these ideas, the strength in numbers. So the strength in the numbers and strength in numbers as well. Mm. Which brings me to, I suppose, naturally almost to the podcast that you started, Andrew. Way back, mm, it's what, how many years now? Uh, potentially, it's coming up to three years. Three Fantastic. years and 300 episodes now. Yeah. And your guests are guest mentors. Yeah. And actually, you know, when I started out, I knew that's what I wanted. I just couldn't articulate it. I read somewhere that most podcasts don't make it past episode eight. 
So what I said is like, well, I'm going to launch this. I'm going to record more than eight. And at least that way I know I've, I've you know, in the top 80% of podcasts, that you, you know, like that made it. Top 20%, sorry, top 20%. So um, so anyways, that's what we did. And it was only then I was getting towards the latter recordings that I actually started using the phrase guest mentor because that's what people were doing. They were sharing the stories, what worked, their hard-won lessons, the stuff that, you know, like I, I had loads of mentees myself. And that was another reason to setting up the podcast was, I don't know all the answers, but I know people who probably do and, and are better at me at these things. So I'll go ask them. And that was another thing as well. It's really easy to ask for help on behalf of other people. Uh, it's like, you know, kids growing up and, uh, you know, they fancy someone over there, but a bit nervous to ask for themselves. So they get a friend to ask, a friend to go over. <laughs> and then the friend gets away with the girl or the boy or whatever. Um, yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit like that, you know, it's much easier to get someone else uh, to share the insight than, uh, than, you know, feeling the pressure to do it yourself. Yeah, that, that's a nice way of looking at it. And sometimes we find it hard to ask for help. So it is easier to to get the willing participant to do it for you. Yeah, and, and I actually, you know, having a number of guest mentors on the show, right? you know, sometimes it does come up. And look, I don't know if there's any basis to this in research or anything, because I do like to validate these resources. But there's definitely anecdotes out there as, as accountants and finance professionals and professionals who deal with numbers. We put a lot of pressure ourselves to always be right, and feel like we need to know the answer. And actually, sometimes it's okay not to know the answer. And I think that's a sign of strength as well, is to put your hand up and say, I don't know, but I, I'll go find out or I'll find, ask someone to help. Mm. That's strength. Oh, totally, it is. And people remember that. You know, they remember yeah. that positively, which is also kind of counterintuitive. Completely, completely. I found that I, as I grew more into my career, like I've been you know, in finance and accounting for 20 years now, um, I suppose it's only the latter half of my career I felt confident enough to do that. I just wish I had more confidence when I was sooner and I share that with again with the audience. It doesn't matter what profession, it's it's okay to say I don't know. Well totally. It's totally it's okay to say I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Exactly. I'm gonna do something about it. I, I believe you can learn something from absolutely everybody you meet. And if you have that mentality, but you know, you're open to these experiences. But maybe it isn't always the good stuff. For example, it's easier to, for you to choose a mentor, somebody that will have good chemistry for you, I think. But I had a, a situation where a mentor chose me as their protege. Yeah. And this person was not a mentor. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean. I've had that as well. <laughs> it's actually, I didn't know it was a laugh or cry. <laughs> it was, I, was, I have to say, I was honoured that someone felt that they wanted to invest in me in that way. But we just weren't a good fit, mm. you know. Um, but um, yeah, it was, I was really flattered, definitely. Mm. And I know the feeling. But how did you, like, like I know, I know I, I, I've slipped into podcast interview mode by myself, Susan, but how did you respond to that? Well, it was interesting because it was early on in my career and I suppose the way I looked at it was, it was it, he, he was a very difficult person. But what I learned was how to manage him and also to keep him from destroying other people. So it, it really helped me build my skills in managing upwards. And, and I learned so much from him. Now, you know, we're not in touch any longer. And if I saw him coming, I'd probably cross the road. But 
I do think you can learn from everyone and maybe it's it's that silver lining or always looking for the positive that that also helps you. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, most people think mentoring should be more senior as well, you know, like you're, you're growing, whatever. But I was only on a conversation yesterday, I kid you not, and this person's father-in-law had died. Mm -hmm. And I've never had gone through that experience because my father-in-law is still alive. And, and um, you know, so I was, uh, I, I was asking questions, um, <laughs> interrogation probably. Um, but I was just wondering, how did you deal with that? You know, obviously I was sorry for the loss, but how did you deal with that? How was your family and, uh, and about dealing with it and whatever? And it was really sad because they've been caring for their father-in-law for the last 12 years. So the kids had obviously grown in their own house and the kids had obviously grown up with it. So yeah, it was really tough on the family. You know, and it was really great to get that insight from someone who's, yeah, a bit more junior than you, but it's really nice to say, to, to, okay, well, that's really appreciate you sharing that with me because that will help our kids deal with it when their their grandfather passes away eventually, circle alive. And um, you've really helped us out. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us, you know. So um, so you can you can learn pretty much from anyone and actually turn it into a game, Susan. You know, like you could be the most boring barbecue or whatever and you may not be in the right frame of mind and i find one way to get into a good frame of mind is just ask questions of people and and try and find out learn something that's interesting about them everyone's got a passion somewhere and actually it brings up your mood and funny enough people will walk away and think this guy's a really or gal or girl or is a very good conversationalist and it's like all i did was ask questions and, and figure out pull out your passion from you so like look Again, that's another good way of, of dealing with, um, you know, events where you're probably in not right mindset and it helps bring you up and everyone else up. I would say that a couple of people I would consider mentors to me now are in their 30s. And I find that great because people have a different mindset and I need to be able to tap into that to keep real. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I know ex exactly what you mean. But I suppose, do you, you know, when you're engaging with them, do you deliberately go out to try and find, okay, I've got these gaps and, and, and I need to go see people and do that? Or is it more by accident? I mean, do you have a strategy in how you, you find a mentor? It's a bit of both. So I spend a lot of time following people that I think that they're seeing something that I like or that is appealing to me or I'm curious about. And I might follow them for quite a while and then drop off, or I may try and engage further. But sometimes it just happens like that. You know, so it, it varies, Andrew. Um, but I suppose I'm always looking. That's the thing. I'm always curious. Yeah. And, and I think I think that's really that's really the key when it comes to, to finding a mentoring that's going to, to help you is to know what you're looking for to some degree and i think a lot of people struggle with that and that's why they have mixed opinions on the value of mentoring it's that because they haven't got that ideal outcome it's just have a real understanding of what your ideal outcomes are that could be within a career that could be personal outcomes to me it wasn't all career driven i only just went through the career items because that's what people's a lot of focus but i had some personal ones as well about you know buying a house and and spending more time with my family your young family at the time um, and, and one of them was also to move back to Ireland. So like, you know, there's a lot of other things, you know, that, that I brought into consideration. And then when you have sort of that as a focus, then you will then better spot opportunities to engage in the right conversations to help you get there, ask the right questions, find the right people. And, and actually, so it's sort of, as you said, it's a bit deliberate, 
and it's and it's more accident and um, and you just don't know who you're going to bump into. But with that focus, you will get there. Mm. And I think you you touched on this earlier, but storytelling yeah. is such a powerful mentoring tool that maybe people don't even realise the power of it. Yeah, ex- exactly. Actually, you know, and, and that's got benefits for the person being mentored as well as the mentor, because as you get involved in, in giving mentorship advice to other people, it allows you to develop those storytelling skills, which is invaluable today. Um, you know, we a lot of the times we may not remember the story, but we might remember how the story made us feel. And I find that that's really powerful. Um, I, I'm not going to belittle it because, you know, uh, I thought it was a really good production, but uh, I met it, my uh, my daughter picked out a DVD, and you know, we we still watch those. It's not all streamed out here in the country. And, uh, and uh, it is Ireland. Uh, yeah, it is Ireland. Yeah, just uh, West Coast, uh, southwest coast of Ireland. Uh, yeah, internet's not always the best out here. But anyway, so yeah, so we watched the DVD, and it was with cats. It was the only one that she hadn't seen, so we watched it, and it's just like I thought the production looked amazing. I just couldn't follow the storyline. You know, you know, it wasn't really clear. I didn't see any hero's journey. So I do think that there's there's a storytelling, you know, so like it sort of detracted how I felt about the movie then, you know, um, even though the acting was probably really good, I, you know, and I'm not an expert at that myself, but, you know, like that's that's what I so use the story, how it makes you feel. So as a mentor, when you're sharing stories with people, you can sort of see their reactions and whatever, and you get better at those skills as well. And that's where I sort of developed my use of analogies to get points across. You know, and, and and as you sort of build those, it improves your ability to share visions with people and help share insights and influence others as well. So again, mentoring really helps yourselves as well as the other person. And again, as a, as a mentee, you know, if you can try and get people to describe things in, in things that you can relate to, get much easier to get points across. Totally. And, and also just seeing how the world is so interconnected. You know, well, you can take, yeah, but, but not even from the technology perspective, but just that you can use stories from nature to help talk about accounting. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the white one is a, the sort of uh, one of favorite ones is the bees and the flowers, you know, they sort of need each other is that mutualism. So that's why organizations need finance and accounting. You know, we don't, we don't grow as a species or thrive without the, the flowers wouldn't share the pollen, their insights with us. And likewise, if we don't go around sharing those insights and helping the business have better governance controls, they're not going to prosper and grow. So, you know, it's that mutual benefit. And, and again, it's having stories and analogies like that just make it so much easier to get points across. Don't they? And, and anyone can relate to it, even a seven-year-old. <laughs> I know, yeah. Isn't that, is that something like Einstein said like that? You know, don't really know something unless you can explain it to a six-year-old or something like that. So that's the same similar principle, right? Oh, totally, totally. And, and it's also fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a fun. Uh, and actually, people think, do you have to sit down and think about what analogy to use? I said, no, it actually just comes out in conversation. You know, it's like, it's like playing a game of tennis, right? And you're hitting the ball back and forth over the net. And sometimes the ball is getting caught on the net. So then you're sort of thinking creatively, but how can I get this message across? An analogy. So just pick something that, that works and it might just get the ball over the net. There you go. <laughs> Another analogy. <laughs> I know, terrible, terrible for the analogies. There's one thing I think a lot of people wonder about. I I know I do. And that is, is there such a thing as work-life balance? Oh, no. Oh, my God, yeah. 
You know, uh, if it were if it works for you, then 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 do it. Like I've, I've I've multiple thoughts on this. Like how do you how do you define balance? Like you know, in accounting, it's easy, right? You get debits and credits, and they should balance. And we're very much looking for balance in our business in our lives. But you know, like what is balance, and and, and how would you define it? Mm. I mean, how would you define balance, Susan? Ooh. <laughs> interviewing a podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a tough question. You know, it's a tough question. Well, for me, it's, it's a bit about managing the energy out and the energy in. And some things drain my energy and then they're not so good for me. And I have to understand those drainers and the things that inspire me or help me feel creative, create more energy. And even if I'm doing that for 15 hours a day, that's my choice. And I love it. So my balance is, is it can be different on a daily basis. Yeah. But like, do you not feel like you're putting yourself under a lot of pressure aiming for balance? Because that's, that's a, it's a quite a big ask. I look at it like, I always think of the, you know, the, the, the statue with the, the justice, um, I don't know what you call it, the scales. Scales, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think the scales have to be like just across from each other. I think they can be anyway. And I know that this won't come out on a podcast now, but my hands are going up and down, and all of that is balance. Is it's constantly in balance? It just might be a bit lopsided one way or the other. Okay, yeah. It's just it's just inter- It's just interesting because if you look at like how. Um, I know I mentioned physics earlier, but like how a lot we try to deduct a lot of the natural world phenomena into formulas mm. so we can run equations and they perform mm. as expected. Mm. But if you look at the underlying universe, right, the universe is expanding at a vast rate and at some point it's going to turn around and contract. So the underlying universe is never in balance, mm. you know. So, so I, I guess where I'm sort of thinking with the whole balancing thing is do we really grow for a balance? That's a question I'm going to write down and <laughs> come back to you on. You know, can you grow and be in balance at the same time? I, that's, that's what I'm sort of curious. Because, well, imbalance will definitely spur you towards growth, I think. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Does it matter? Does it matter? That's my point. So my, my, my whole philosophy on this one is, yeah, balance is great if it works for you. And keep doing it. If it works for you, keep doing it. But, you know, like, I just don't know the answer to that question. You know, can you be in balance and grow at the same time? I, just, I don't know. But, you know what, I'm curious to, to try different things and ask other mentors and see what they, they think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it is a good question. And I think but people can get caught up in thinking, I have to, you know, find this balance. And, and it is a bit of an illusion or a delusion. Yeah, and that's and that's what that's my concern with this. It's just like it feels it's a lot of literary literature out there, on, and it's intuitive. You know, you did the whole scale thing. Yeah, it's really intuitive this idea of balance, mm. but I'm not seeing any research to say that it's one attainable and two, it it's actually better than being out of balance, because you know when I ask mentors, and again maybe it's what I tune into, they seem to have grown most when they've been in really uncomfortable situations. Their backs been against the wall. They had to get super creative and resourceful. And I, that's another thing as well. I was, you know, someone was asking me some questions and I said, look, there's no such thing as a lack of resources, just a lack of resourcefulness. Mm. And, you know, you only spot that when you're out of balance, I find mm. um, that you need to do something and take some action. So again, I don't know what the right answer is, but I said, I'd love to sort of 
see more challenge of this idea of balance to really flesh out is it good or bad i don't know mm, good I, uh, that's an interesting i'm gonna think on that more for sure <laughs> uh, and maybe the other mentoring i get is from reading books oh god yeah yeah the best yeah so so um so when you say books is does that have to be a particular type of book that you're reading susan or <laughs> interviewing him here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't help it i can't help it that's I'm okay I try, I try and deflect for myself a lot but but no seriously like is it like but again i suppose it comes back to what am i interested in and like yeah. following people i will pick a topic perhaps and one of them for me i'm always interested in you know how can communication be better yeah. And, and so I read books about having better conversations, about, you know, having constructive conversations, how to stack dialogues in a way that help people or whatever. And some of them are rubbish, <laughs> but there's also some that are really, really good. And maybe, you know, even if you're only taking 5% from, from some of these, it's a great way of, of learning and, and you're, getting questions answered by people who have thought about this before you yeah that's it yeah that, that that's a big thing with books because for someone to to make any money out of book they, they must have put a bit of thought into it and, and actually reflected on on it and refined it so like i love um i love books where they've got multiple perspectives in um on so uh, I, I came across it probably in my late 20s i think it was think and grow rich and it wasn't because of all this sort of if you think it or dream it, believe it or whatever, you achieve it. It wasn't that angle. It was more a case of, I just loved getting all the perspectives of people who were really successful in their chosen fields, uh, whether that be as an inventor or as an industrialist, or, you know, or as a, a president of, of a large country, right? I just loved their thought processes and I loved how they were thinking and I love learning that. And what works for them might not work for someone else, but that insight might help someone else I come in contact with. And again, it's another story to share. So that's the great thing with books. And nowadays, you know, you don't even have to read books. You've audio books and you've got these podcasts. You don't even have to read articles. It's just so rich out there and very easy to get overloaded. But it comes back. That's why I asked the question, Susan. It's like, how do you know which resource to turn to which type of book? Again, if you've got that, you know, idea of what it is you want to achieve or have achieved, um, or even sort of say, I turn it around, it's a really odd question to ask people, but I ask it is, what needs to have happened for this to have happened? It's like, oh my God, you've just thrown a lot of my head there. But then it puts you into the perspective of looking back from the deal outcome, you know? So again, it helps you figure out what you need to do to get there. And what we did with the podcast, we turned the first 200 interviews into a book of just a compendium of advice, a great advice. Um, and my favorite question on the show actually is, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? It's really tough for people to answer because, yes. yeah, no, seriously, it's the one that we would probably edit the bit out beforehand. It's like people go, mm. and we actually asked, say, sure, we're going to ask this question on the show beforehand, right? And they yeah. still struggle with it because most of us get loads of good bits of advice from other people uh... or read it in a book or wherever. And so how do you select the best one? So most people cop out and they're about two or three, which is fair enough, even better. <laughs> you know, you get two or three for the price of one. But some people who just get, get, get the one, is, is, it's just awesome. And it might be a proverb or something. One of my favorites is, you know, alone you can go fast, but together we can go farts. An African proverb, I believe, or some derivation of it. 
you know, like I love those bits of advice. And then we say, well, how did, how did you come to that realization? And then people tell you the story behind it. It's like, oh my God, that's so powerful. And it just really comes back to knowing what it is you're trying to achieve. And the resources are there more than likely to, to find it. Um, and actually, you know, another rewarding thing is speaking with one guest mentor, and we happen to be fans of the same author. And um, this author, I'll not share her name, Caroline Webb, a great book, How to Have a Good Day. I even got the audio book so I can, can, uh, can listen to it more than just reading it. And we invited Caroline onto the show and we recorded podcasts. It's absolutely awesome. So sometimes you cannot read a book, we can reach out to the person who wrote the book and engage in a conversation with them. It's even more valuable. Uh, and because, you know, it didn't just benefit me, it's benefited the, 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 our audience in 160 countries and it's still growing out of balanced out of balance still <laughs> so, <laughs> you know so again I, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing i have to stop at some point there's only so many countries but you know but the whole point is is that look it's um that conversation from reading a book has developed into a conversation which is now developed into sort of a message and a platform and the great thing about caroline she tailored the advice to people who work with the numbers analytical minds of so finance accountants economists uh, so again, you know, who knows where it actually got more focused. So it's great. But I, I encourage you to not just sit on the information, do something with it, you know. And I think someone said, someone said, you've got knowledge, which comes from acquiring it and whatever. But wisdom really comes from putting it into application. And I think that's what we'd love to see more is more people wisdom, taking the advice of mentors, seeing if it works for them. If it doesn't, find something that does, but at least you gave it a shot and you're wiser for it. Yeah. I can remember somebody asking me once I was recommending a book to them and they said, well, you've read it. What did you change as a result yeah. of having oh, read it? Very good. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. And I was like, ah! <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one. Yeah. But do, do something with it, you know, mm, um, mm. see if there was some value in it and it might mm. be some not value for you. It might be value for someone else as well. Totally, so yeah. Aspect. yeah. Um, I also find HBR Harvard business review, I think is, I mean, I, that is like a, personal mentor i think it's probably the best money you can spend on a subscription you don't even have to get the magazine but to have access to that database yeah. is amazing it's unreal isn't it like look i'm i'm um, i'm still an accountant at heart so i'm on the free <laughs> subscription which i think i get like <laughs> two or three articles a month <laughs> but no, no, but I all seriousness, right? One of my, my first ever books actually was a compendium of the HB, uh, uh, HBPR, Harvard Business Review Press with yeah. articles. It's by Peter Drucker. I think he had oh, 10 yeah. articles in a book. And like, I'm a big fan of Peter Drucker. Just what he says is straight up common sense. And, um, and I use a lot of it unashamedly what he says. Uh, I, try, I do my best to try and remember to give him credit, but you know, he's dead, so I don't think he'll mind. <laughs> but... On the other hand, yeah, but on the other hand, on the other hand um, you know, I got into Harvard Business Review very early, and actually that is a great resource. I have to say, if you're working in the corporate world, um, the articles are very accessible, some fantastic thinking models in there. Okay, there's some that haven't been great, but generally speaking, if, if you go into their search panel now, and even you did the free piece, put in the topic you're looking for, you're going to get some great insights back. So that's all. I'd highly recommend that resource. And a lot of our mentors have recommended it as well. Yeah, I think any world, I think it's very applicable, and it's very digestible very digestible yeah I, I love the way they put it into models and then it's applied models as well i think that's another requirement it has to be applied somewhere and you can see it working and i said might not work in your environment but give it a go and see see how far you get hmm. so maybe andrew we'll we'll wrap up now but 
rather than asking you what's the best advice you ever got, I'm going to ask you if somebody is thinking about, I need a mentor, how would you advise them to go about finding someone? It's, it's, a, it's a fair question. I think it's a lot on, on, a lot on your audience's mind and those listening in. I do think, you know, if people haven't picked up on it, I think there's a large element of knowing what it is you want. Uh, I talk with a lot of mentors and I actually ask them, like, you know, what things do you like about people who come to you for mentorship and, and don't like? I think what a lot of mentors would say is they like it when people know what it is that they want and where they think the mentor can help them because that clarifies it very quickly. And also maybe develop the ask down to maybe three things you need help with. So don't give like a massive big shopping list, um, the three things you think can help, uh, the mentor can help you with. And also think about how you can help the mentor in return because you know there's one resource that we all have in common that is very scarce and it's time. So why should they give their time to you? You know, um, I'm not embarrassed much about it anymore. Like, one of the reasons of setting up the show is because I said, I don't know the answers. So rather than come to me for mentorship, I will, I will remember what conversation I had with whom and point you to in the podcast. So I don't have as many uh, people I mentor anymore, but I have the odd person. Because uh, if I, but if I invest in time with that one person, I'm perhaps limiting the benefit I can give to thousands of others, you know? So that's, that's why I come at it now. And maybe that's with some mentors as well, but you know, most mentors that are, had success to some degree that they would define as success probably got helped out along the way so there's always a willingness to give back so don't be frightened to ask the worst thing they can say no or not right now but if you've got a clarity and you've got that something little extra that that you know they might identify with and it could be from where you're from that works very often have that sort of commonality or sort of mention so and so men mention you or get introduced by someone which is generally the easiest way because normally they owe friends or, or the network uh, a favor or so, some sort of sort, then that's the easiest way to get introduced. But, but do bring your mentor, be respectful of their time and, and try and batch up what you're asking for, the three things that they can help with where you might be able to help them. And, um, you know, again, I made that mistake when I did my first mentor. I, you know, he bought the coffee, you know, don't, don't let them buy the coffee, you buy the coffee. And if it has really made a big impact, I think the big thing is share that with others as well. You know, don't hold on to it for yourself, share it with others. So if someone comes to you, you know, once once mentoring, help them as well, you know, and it's a re it's a really good feeling to give them back. And I always sort of say the only stipulation I have is that someone comes to me for mentoring is that you share it with others as well. Fantastic. So how does somebody connect with Andrew Codd? In case they don't already know and they're not connected and not listening. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. In case they're not connected already, yeah. Um, look, um, most people say LinkedIn. So yeah. look, you can look up on LinkedIn. I do regularly Google myself, not out of not out of vanity, just you are who Google says you are on the internet. So I'm very mindful of making sure that strength in the numbers is getting good presence. So you can always Google strength in the numbers or Andrew Codd into the internet and you'll find a way to me there on various platforms. Uh, again, whatever is the easiest one for you to go through, there's probably some connection. And and look, People think, like, you know, how do you do all that stuff? I don't. I have an admin now um, because of the success of the show and the book sales and all that. I don't do the social media really myself. So if you do want a genuine conversation, you know, and connection, just say that in the connection note so I know that you want to connect and we can try and find some time. But remember, I get a lot of requests as well, and, it's, and I'm just not trying to be bad about it. I'm maybe not as responsive as the early days. Um, so it's take, it could take me a month even to get through some of them. So just... 
you know, I just want to put that out there. I mean, I don't even have LinkedIn on my phone. Um, I don't, I have very little social media on my phone, just maybe WhatsApp. And I think the people close to me, that's how they get hold of me is WhatsApp. Fantastic. Well, Andrew, I've, this is actually episode eight that I've recorded. So I'm delighted yes. that you are episode You've eight. Yeah. You've done it. Well done, Susan. You know, if we were together, we should go go around to the pub right now, yeah, liquid lunch. I'll let so. you know the next time I'm in Dingle. Excellent. I'd, lo- I'd love that, actually. Yeah, great spot. Encourage everyone to check out Dingle. If you haven't been there already, definitely check it out. Brilliant. Well, Andrew, it's been a pleasure chatting to you this morning. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, like, likewise, Susan, really enjoyable conversation. Great way to, to start the weekend. Fantastic. Bye now. Take care. Thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed our exploration of life beyond the numbers, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers.